Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. So, hey, Kat. Hey, Tanya. What are we talking about today besides wine and being a sommelier? I know. We're talking about props. And I am a huge advocate of props. How about you? I am. We might probably want to specify yoga props, not like life props <laughs> in general. <laughs> you know, like no. your trophy husband and <laughs> props, you know. <laughs> We're talking about yoga props and they help you find more space and stability and poses and they're teaching tools. And, you know, when I first started teaching yoga, I, well, we've discussed how, you know, you and I both came from the gym mentality to yoga. I would not use a prop no matter what. And then just something clicked and I started using them. Well, I, you met my, one of my instructors, Marty. He is probably one of my favorite prop stories of all time. Yeah. <laughs> because when he first came, he's a, he was a professional boxer and he uh, was, is a martial artist, like, I don't know, eight degree, eighth degree black. Well, he came to class and he's super tight. So anytime we would do anything, I'd go marching over and put a couple of blocks in front of him and he would just look at them and move them to the sides and he would not use them. Then he ended up hurting his shoulder. Not, thank goodness, not in yoga. He did that in a boxing thing and he started using props and he all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, I can actually look right in the pose if I'm using a prop. So now anytime uh, tell people, uh, for class, you're going to need your straps, your blocks, and or whatever I happen to tell them. He will jump up and make this big product of making it sure everyone sees him marching over to get his little blocks and get his little straps. And he'll turn around and look at everyone and say, you know, these are not just for people that are beginners. Everyone needs them. And if you're an advanced person, you need them even more. And I, he just, he cracks me up. So, it, you know, it's, it's a good thing. Props are good. Props are good. I think it's probably important for us to mention, too, that what we mean by props don't have to always be the fancy props maybe that you buy in the store. And I think partway through, I'm going to kind of give an example of zero dollar props that you could substitute for quote unquote brand name high dollar yoga props, right? Because the penchant for most people in, you know, their new sports is they want all the right tools and they're willing to spend all their money on all the right tools or they're in a position where they're like, well, I feel like yoga isn't accessible to me because I can't afford all those props. So yeah. being able to give it to them on both sides of the fence, like, right, like you don't have to have name brand yoga pants. You don't have to have a name brand yoga mat. You don't have to have name brand yoga blocks. You can literally use a pair of sweatpants, a beach towel, and a book, mm -hmm. and you've got the same props. So we found a lot during COVID that we would give people up things like that. If we were doing a yin class, we would tell people, go get a few, you know, firm uh, firm pillows and get some blankets. And so we did try to 
people some options of using things that they had around their house. Yeah, I absolutely. Because you and I know, like, we could go down a list of props, like, right, we've got blocks. You and I use blocks all the time. And we can talk about later on maybe what our favorite props are. But then there's like rollers, there's straps, bolsters, mats, knee pads, hand pads. Uh, yoga wedge, meditation cushions, eye pillows, blankets. Yoga wedge, blankets, weights, weights the wall. So I used the wall last night in my class. I used doorway also as props. And one that I wish I had enough for my studio are the yoga wheels because I have just a, I'll let different people use the wheels and I love those. So there are just so many tools. Yeah. That now I do uh, what probably for me the most important prop and that you need is a mat. You know, and I when I first started doing yoga, I bought just a cheapy little mat, you know, because I, I don't and I, we always tell our students, don't invest in a good mat when you first start. Make sure this is something you want to do, you know, for a long time. And we we use mats all the time for our practice, but we use them all the time rolled up to put under your heels, roll them up for underneath your the heels of your hands. Also, I don't know, so I, I do like, you know, being able to use mats, but I agree with you. Blocks are the ones I use the most. Yeah. Um, when it comes to mats, like, I feel like there's like, it's like a, like a triple edged sword because when it comes to like saying, you know, don't go and get an, a, an expensive mat to start. I also feel like you could potentially be setting yourself up for failure as well, if you get a really crappy mat and all you're doing is sliding around and then all of a sudden people are like, well, I hate this because I feel like I can't do it. I slip and slide. Right. And so I feel like that's kind of like this double edged sword, I especially agree. depending on the flooring in the studio that you're going to. So mm -hmm. I have, you know, a planking on my floor. So it is a hard surface. Your floor is a hard surface. I have been recently now in two other studios where the floor was carpet. Oh, that's hard. And so, yeah, I visualize like that's extra tricky on your balance because there's already additional cushion underneath the cushion of your mat. So it's it adds dynamic, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like if you're going to be, you know, working in a place where there's carpet, you probably could get away with simply using a yoga towel and not necessarily using a mat, or you could for sure use a very thin mat as compared to like the honking thick mats that we use in hot yoga because we don't want to slide around. So most people in our studio have some some kind of manduka mat or a hugger mugger. We we have mostly mandukas because that's the ones that most of our instructors use. Either the pro mat like I have or the echo echo mat that's uh, more grippy. I don't like the real, real grippy ones because then it stops your flow a lot. So see, but, we use the we use the grip ones in the hot studio because when your mat gets wet, you need the grip ones. Exactly. Yeah, we have a lot of students who use jade, and then 
I have a couple students who use cork mats, which the mat I use at home is a cork mat. Mm -hmm. I have never used a cork mat. That's kind of cool. You know, we do have a couple of students that have the Lululemon mats that have the lines on them. And a lot of times if you think about your mat, you know, you've got that line, the edge of your mat is lined in the front and on the side. So your mat can help you with your mm-hmm. line. You yeah, know, it, it helps keep you square when you need to be square. Yeah, the nice part about using the cork mat that I like, at least it was uh, something that a teacher had told me that really resonated with me, the instructor that I had when I was out at Kripalu. He brought up a couple of things and one of them was why would you willingly choose to put a chunk of rubber between you and the earth when you are trying to ground and connect to the earth? Mm-hmm. And so his thing was it should be cotton or cork, a natural substance mm-hmm. that you're getting from the earth because then there's no barrier of between you and your grounding and your connectivity to the earth. I love that. Love that. Yeah, which it totally makes sense. But on the flip, if you're working out in a hot studio or you're working out in a studio where you're sweating and you're slipping, then you probably want a mat. That's why I keep my cork mat at home for my private practice. Yeah, very cool. Well, so everyone get a good mat because I I do agree. When you have a brand new student that's inflexible, they can't go from down dog to a crescent lunge because they're they don't have the flexibility and the range of motion. Then they have a crack and it's bunching up on them as they're trying to move, you know. Set yourself up for success. Yeah. When also you think about it from the standpoint of, remember too that this is acting as your shock absorber. Mm -hmm. And so it's like running on old shoes that don't have any arch anymore. At some point, it's going to hurt you to not have proper padding underneath you when you're working out, especially if the floor is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of people that will come into the studio with a Pilates mat, you know, the real thick ones. Super thick ones. My gosh, they really struggle because it's way too much vision and they roll up on the ends and they have no grip at all. So it's just torturous. So I I do discourage that. But and it's so funny because a lot of them will use that and use that. Then they'll buy a good mat to put on top their Pilates mat. Yeah, now they have so much cushion that their balance is all awkward and yeah, everything becomes tricky. So yeah, I agree. I'm not a super big fan of those foam mats. Yeah. Like I feel like that's that's not helpful for what we're doing. It's mm-hmm. great if what you're doing is Pilates where you're spending a lot of time on your back and or your spine. And so you notice that you have those protrusions of your vertebra, that you're having discomfort on the hard floor with your vertebra, then for sure, absolutely get some padding and protect your spine. But for the average Joe, it's too much. Okay. So blocks, blocks are also my favorite. I know they're your favorite. They are. Help us get into poses that are normally not accessible to us. They can extend our reach, especially like in poses like half moon pose. Um, even in forward fold, some, a lot of people have to have those blocks to extend their reach. Blocks are a great way of rising the floor, raising the floor up to you. And I like that you, know, you can flip them lengthways, you can flip them on the side, you can flip them flat. So they, you've got three or four different height options just by turning your block different ways. I, my personal block that's, that I love are the unblocks that are rounded on top because I can use those also for chest opening 
uh, run up and down my spine. So I love those. And I like the curve because I always am dealing with my little wrist problems. So having that curve takes, if I'm using it for some kind of a down dog flow, it takes a lot of the pressure off my wrist. So I do like those a lot. Yeah. In the hot studio we use, again, we use the cork ones because they're antibacterial and mm -hmm. Yeah, they are so heavy. So that's kind of nice too, because if you if you get one of the really thin, light, inexpensive blocks, they're great to get started with, but they flop everywhere. You can't hang on to them. And so the I, I personally don't have cork blocks, but I have a lot of students that do, and they don't they don't go anywhere. Mm -mm. They're pretty sturdy. And that's the nice part about using them, like when you're doing inversions and things, is that you know that they're going to probably be fairly solidly grounded. Not that you shouldn't still have someone spotting you or watching you if you're doing inversions for the first time, but whatever. Well, give me a couple of examples of how you use props, and I'll give you a couple of examples of how I use props. My three favorite props are, in fact, one, the block, two, the wall, and three, a partner. Mm -hmm. When it comes to using blocks, I wrote down several that I think are my favorite. Parsvottanasana, or what we would call pyramid pose, mm -hmm. because I find that having my hands in reverse namaste or prayer hands is a little bit hard on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. I would prefer when I come down in that forward fold to be able to press my hands in the blocks and actually almost halfway lift my spine mm -hmm. so I can really get into the back of my legs, but at the same time, really sink my chest through my shoulders and open my heart space. So it's like double duty for me in that pose. The other one that I really, really love is using blocks and bridge pose mm -hmm. in terms of whether you're doing full wheel and giving mm -hmm. yourself accessibility by having those blocks under your feet or those blocks under your hands, but also in just our low bridge and using the blocks under the low part of the spine to turn that bridge into a restorative posture. Mm -hmm. I just love a restorative bridge pose. And then I think you already mentioned this, but half moon pose. I love mm -hmm. using blocks and half moon pose, especially at the wall, which mm -hmm. remember is my second favorite prop because when you can place your hand onto the block and really lengthen out your spine and then also lean against the wall in half moon, it's like you can almost hear your body open up. It's so vast, right? Very cool. Well, three of the ways I love to use them is in wheel pose. I like to put them up against the wall and have people put their hands on and press up. It's harder to initially get up, but it helps you to work on straightening the arms and getting your chest forward. I love using them in wheel. I use them a lot in chair pose because I have a lot of people that don't keep their knees straight or they'll, because I usually in, in, in our studio, we keep about a fist distance between our feet so that our hips, knees, ankles all line up. And so a lot of people though will put feet out, but they'll drop their knees in. So I put the block between the knees and it helps them engage their thighs. So their legs aren't just hanging out there. And then when they put their knees, the block between their knees, it causes a little bit of a dog tilt in chair and it helps them engage their low belly a lot. So I like it to use it in that. And I've been recently using it a lot with crow pose. So I use it um, when I'm T-crow pose prep, I don't stand on it and get down so they can get deeper and get their arms up higher on their triceps. But I've been playing with it with the advanced class, getting them in 
pro with the block with feet and then pull the block up and tap their butt then tap the floor so they're feet up and down while they're in crow and it's just kind of a fun for them to work their core longer without really realizing what they're working their core because they're trying to keep from face planning <laughs> that's awesome I love that. In addition, you know, like when I reference the wall, I have, you know, a couple of favorite things that I love to do against the wall. One I mentioned already being half moon. But in addition to that, I love doing a warrior series at the wall. So doing warrior one at the wall with your back heel on the wall and then reverse warrior. And for those people who um, maybe have the flexibility, they can actually bring their hands to touch the wall when they reverse their warrior. Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition to that, the warrior two is fantastic because you can place that back blade edge of the foot at the wall and really work into that hip opening. Mm -hmm. And if you're really trying to work on that neutrality of the hips, you can really encourage that by bringing one hand to the wall and trying to create that straight arm as you're reaching back to the wall in your warrior two and you're extending forward. I really do enjoy then flipping it then to warrior three Mm -hmm. and playing around with warrior three at the wall because you can do warrior three at the wall like puppy dog Mm -hmm. where your hands are on the wall and your leg is extended away from the wall and then you can work on some glute work doing toe taps back to warrior three, toe taps back to warrior three. Mm -hmm. But I also like when you can flip it around and trust yourself to put your foot on the wall and reach out while you ground into the wall while balancing on the opposite foot, which is really a lovely practice. Yeah, I do love that. I, I love using the wall for those poses and also for triangle because no one seems to open you know, very well in triangle, unless they've been on the wall at some point. Mm-hmm. We've also been using the wall a lot for working on um, standing splits too. And, you know, people that have super tight hamstrings, they just put their foot on the wall and put one foot near the baseboard and they don't try straightening up, but you can walk back into it for we have a lot of people that are really pretty flexible in that pose or getting there. So, but you know, for inversions though, we're always at the wall. Yeah. Headstands, handstands, handstand prep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Forearm stands. I love using the wall because it makes a student feel empowered to know, hey, I can try this. And I know that I'm not going to fall backwards because the wall is there to stop me. And so the only place I'm going to fall is back onto my feet. Right. There's comfort in knowing that the only way down is the way you went up Mm -hmm. and that you're going to be okay, as opposed to the fear of falling over backwards. And then what's going to happen when I do that? Yeah, bad stuff. Just bad stuff. Right. So let's talk about yoga straps. You do you st- straps and hot yoga? I assume you do. Yeah, we use straps. Mm-hmm. Um, I use straps a lot. They especially for binds. We have a lot of people that are off workers and they are working over their desk, so they've got real tight pecs, real tight front head of their deltoids, and so it's really hard for them to reach back for cow face arms, and it's hard for me to reach back in a lot of binding kind of poses. So straps. For those poses as well. I like using straps for using it once you're lying on your back to get really nice deep hip stretches. 
And you get really nice hamstring stretches when you're doing like big toe pose lying down and such. Using a strap makes it really, really lovely because then you can really make sure that the shoulders are underneath you as opposed to curling up to try and reach for your toe Mm -hmm. because you've got the length of the strap to get you there. What about bolsters? Do you use bolsters last? We don't use bolsters in the hot room just because they get really sweaty and gross, but we use bolsters in our other room where we would use them for restorative poses. Otherwise, we use them a lot for teacher training just to sustain meditation postures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use them a lot in yin. A lot of times, even in the vinyasa classes, we'll use them just for people to start out in an opener with the block and a bolster under them. Lovely. And they're definitely great for prenatal. We don't offer prenatal classes, but for places that do, they have to have bolsters. Mm-hmm. What for about sure. Cushions. Mine's made of cotton. So there you go. I'm doing, I've got one product that <laughs> is an all natural fiber, but I, I've got several meditation cushions. My meditation cushion is rice filled. Buckwheat. Buckwheat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lovely. So let's talk about just really quick before we go off down the road of books. Let's talk about zero dollar comparisons for people who are like, well, I can't really afford that. Like, right. So in place of blocks, a person could use a chunk of wood or a couple chunks of wood as long as they're smooth edged and you're not going to get slivers from them. I'm not like saying, whoa, go and get yourself a bunch of slivers. The other would be books. I used to joke with my students, sacred texts. Put those sacred texts underneath your hands is like by power of osmosis, right? You're going to be getting the same effect of the block as the book. Now, when you go to try and turn it on its end, it's not going to work so well, but you can certainly use it in the flat position. When it comes to rollers or bolsters, pillows work. Any sort of a pillow can work. It doesn't have to be round. It doesn't have to be a perfect shape of a bolster. Straps, you can use a belt. Or even if you're using those bands, like those stretch bands for resistance, the same can be done with an old pair of sweats. Anytime you go to throw out old pair of sweats, even an old pair of underwear, as much as that sounds funny, cut off the underwear part or the sweat part and just leave the elastic part and use the elastic of an old recycled pair of clothing. Uh, When it comes to mats, we talked about using a beach towel, something that's going to give you that square or rectangular edge. When it comes to weights, if you're ever doing sculpt class, Kansas soup work. There's nothing says you have to have an expensive five pound weight. Get yourself a can of soup. Those are good tips. We use chairs a lot. Yeah, we didn't even mention that as a prop. No, we use them a lot. Um, and when we, we used to have a chair class, and it, I had the same issue. A lot of the more advanced yogis, if they saw chairs out there, were like, oh, heck no, we're not doing that. So I use them a lot in my advanced classes because to get into like Mitrasana, to do a lot of things with the chair is incredible. To do half moon pose with the chair, it's harder than using the floor. You mm-hmm. know, there are things you can get into a super deep or two and just hover off the chair and you will just die. So we do use chair also. It also makes it really, really fun and accessible for a senior class if you're doing chairs or even a kid's class, as well as like you're doing your mommy and me or your pregnant classes. Mm -hmm. Having chairs makes it uh, much more accessible too. In fact, 
I've used chairs with a couple of clients who I have worked with privately when it came to, you know, maybe needing some lifestyle changes, needing to lose weight and or, you know, being unable to get to the floor at all. So having that chair there made those postures more accessible. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple of ladies that have had knee replacements recently and they use the chair flipped around so they can put their hands on the seat of it and do down dogs in the chair and they still come to the regular flow classes they just can't but we also use chair back bends you know the backless chairs we put our feet through and use them for a supported back bend it helps you get especially if you're working on a kaputasana sounds awesome when i can hear your words My words. (laughs) Like today, words are hard, but it's not even because they're hard. They're just hard because of the freaking recording. I think it's stupid Hurricane Fred. We'll blame it on that. Okay. We did not mention blankets. That's the last prop that I had. Oh, well, blankets and eye pillows. We didn't mention. There you go. Got to have a blanket. If you're going to do a restorative class, they're great for yin. Most people in our studio that use blankets use them just for savasana, just to cover up. It gives you that sense of being protected. Use them for under my knees for padding. Mm-hmm. Under your booty. Oh. Yeah. If you're sitting in a nice long meditation, having a blanket under your tush feels lovely. Right on. Yeah. And eye pillows. Everybody needs a good eye pillow when it comes to a restorative class. But even that, if you're, you know, not purchasing an eye pillow, a rolled towel laying across the eyes presents the same as an eye pillow does. They are even a headband. We have headbands that we sell in the studio and some people use those, used to use those, like able to connect to a period. But props are good. So if you don't normally use props, try them out because it doesn't, they're not just for beginners. They're not just for people that can't do a pose. They make all the poses better. They make it more accessible for you. They make you better in your, in your practice. Oh my gosh. Using props was life changing for me. And I wouldn't go backwards now because I feel like my practice is far more advanced now with blocks than it ever was before blocks. Mm -hmm. The more that you're able to, like you say, reach into that that space and open up further because of the assistance of a block or a prop. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I agree. Don't, don't limit yourself friends because you think props are handicaps because they are not. So do you have some books to share? I have a book to share. I have several that are on the restorative path, but one that I really specifically wanted to highlight, which is called The Yapana Way, Y-A-P-A-N-A, The Yapana Way by Leanne Carey. And it is, you know, a really great book because it's got pictures and really great explanations on how to use props. And then I always err on my BKS Iyengar book, The Path to Holistic Health, because his entire practice in that book is all about prop use. Very cool. I've got Restorative Yoga for Life with Gail Grossman. And it's a good one. Restorative Yoga always uses props. So this will give you ideas for ways to use props, even in regular vinyasa classes and yin classes. Also, Miriam Austin's book, Cool Yoga Tricks. I I think that book looks fantastic. It it is incredible book it i mean we could do a whole entire podcast just on this book it gives you so many tips for different poses and getting making things more accessible for you it's awesome 
So love it, love it, love it. That would be a fun episode for us to do in the future is for each of us to choose our favorite book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let our listeners choose a couple. Of, that would be cool, too. That would be cool. So if you had to choose one right this second, what would you choose? <gasps> right this second? <laughs> Go for it. Putting you on the spot. Uh, I guess I would say my BKS Iyengar book, The Holistic Path, because there is... There's stuff in there that you could go down the path of props. You could go down the path of meditation. You could go down the path of how to tie it into yoga medicine. I mean, there's so much in that book. The cool yoga tricks, because it gives you so much, so many different ways of taking care of your body and different ways that you can make different poses accessible and even make them more therapeutic. So it's kind of cool. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I am Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Pittas on a Pod.